Good afternoon to all of you. Welcome to church on this October 30th, 2022. Uh, my name is Matthew Kaiser. I'm going to be leading our worship for today. Uh, welcome to uh, folks who might be visiting with us. Um, do you want to give just special mention to um, Nathan, who's with here, and Allison. Nathan's one of our pastors at Lombard Mennonite uh, down in Illinois, so just want to say welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite. Glad that you're here. Uh, in our materials for today, it's Mennonite Heritage Sunday, um, and you'll see in our hymns and our readings uh, kind of a, a variety of connections with that. And so I encourage you to look at the credits for the hymns that we are going to be singing and the readings that we will be offering. Be looking at the credits um, and, and to see kind of how our heritage is something that uh, is connected with uh, things 500 years ago, more than 500 years ago, and then up to contemporary present day, including one of the hymns that we'll be singing is our um, More Than You Know, uh, written by our very own Connie Johnson Evers. So let's begin with our land acknowledgement, which is found in Voices Together 878. Join with me. We acknowledge that we are gathering on the traditional territory of indigenous peoples. We affirm that settlers have specific responsibilities in the journey of reconciliation with indigenous peoples, the Ho-Chunk, the Menominee, the Potawatomi. We give thanks to Creator and to those peoples who have stewarded this land for generations. We are grateful for the opportunity to live, work, and worship here as we witness the reconciling movement of the Spirit and seek to live into right relations with our indigenous neighbors and all of creation. Our call to worship is in Voices Together 864, and I invite you, if you're able, to stand for this. So I'll do the leader part, and you can do the all. You are facing east, and so I will turn around and join you. We offer thanksgiving to our Creator, recalling that Christ is the center of creation and our lives as Christians. As we face east, the direction of the rising sun, we offer thanks for the gifts of the tree world and for new beginnings. Help us to be honest with you and others, and to be wise and just in our use of the resources of the earth. We give thanks to you, O God. As we face south, where we receive warmth, we offer thanks for the gifts of the animal world and for the call to be humble. Enable us to walk through the paths and live as a family should, and we do the face of the earth. We give thanks to you, O oh God. As we face west, where we walk, where we receive teachings of faith. We offer thanks for the gifts of the rock world and the purifying and fruitful waters. 
As we face north, the direction of wind and snow, we offer thanks to the plant world and for kindness and wisdom. Renew your strength and endurance into us, and give us wisdom to treat each other with kindness. We give thanks to you, O As we face center, from above comes the unconditional love of God. From the earth comes the gift of life. We give thanks for love like the wings of the eagle. We dedicate our lives to you, our creator and savior. As we walk on this earth, may we learn together and celebrate the way of peace, harmony, and tranquility. We give thanks to you, O God. Our first two hymns, uh, 52 and 58, Come and Fill Our Hearts, Holy Spirit, Come to Us. I believe Come and Fill Our Hearts is very familiar to us. I believe the second one is maybe not so. Um, we're going to sing each through uh, three times, and we're going to move kind of seamlessly from 52 to 58. So you have 52 open, and then maybe have your finger into 58. You can join in whenever you wish to. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. You alone, O oh Lord, are holy. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. Alleluia. with your peace. You alone, O Lord, are holy. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. Alleluia. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. You alone, O Lord, are holy.
Our confessing and reconciling time, our confessing is not so much confessing our shortcomings and sins today, it's a confessing of what we believe in as followers of Jesus within the Anabaptist tradition. So I invite you to turn to Voices Together 921. I'll do the part one and you can do the part two. Let us confess together. True evangelical faith cannot lie dormant, but spreads itself out in all kinds of righteousness and fruits of love. It dies to flesh and blood. It seeks, serves, and fears God in its inmost soul. It feeds the hungry. It shelters the destitute. It does good to those who do it harm. It prays for those who persecute it. It seeks those who are lost. It heals the sick. It becomes all things to all people. The persecution, suffering, and anguish that come to it for the sake of the truth of Christ have become a glorious joy and comfort to it. What a confession. How have you done this week? So let's turn to Voices Together 896. Let us say these together. God of the foolish cross, you are not the savior we expect. Your power does not look like the power we want our God to demonstrate. Your wisdom makes no sense to us. We are happy to join the crowd, waving branches, but not so sure we want to follow you into the temple courts, into the upper room, into the garden of Gethsemane, to the foot of the cross. Forgive our false assumptions, clarify our clouded vision, free us to relax into the foolishness of your love and grace. Amen. Our first scripture reading today is from 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Everything that is in the world, the craving for whatever the body feels, the craving for whatever the eyes see, and the arrogant pride in one's possessions is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world and its cravings are passing away, but the person who does the will of God remains forever. 
I invite you to turn to Voices Together 630, Everlasting God on You I Call. This might be a new one, I'm not sure. I'll sing it through once, um, and then you're uh, welcome to join with me. We'll, we'll repeat verse one again, and then two and three. Everlasting God, on you I call. Oh, may I never turn from you and keep me in your grace and truth. My strength and shield still life is through. Everlasting God, on you I call. Oh, may I never turn from you and keep me in your grace and truth, my strength and shield till life is through. Unto you I raise my weary soul, in trials I am in your care, in sorrow, torture, fear, and want, still sure that you are there. When I walk through death, I am sustained. I know you'll always be my guide. Eternal God, I cry to you, forever keep me by your side. Our second scripture reading for today is from 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter 2. Therefore, get rid of all ill will and deceit, pretense, envy, and slander. Instead, like a newborn baby, desire the pure milk of the word. Nourished by it, you will grow into salvation, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now you are coming to him as a living stone. Even though this stone was rejected by humans, from God's perspective it is chosen, valuable. You yourselves are being built like living stones into a spiritual temple. You are being made into a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Thus it is written in scripture, look, I am laying a cornerstone in Zion, chosen, valuable. The person who believes in him will never be shamed. So God honors you who believe. For those who refuse to believe though, the stone the builders tossed aside has become the capstone. This is a stone that makes people stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Because they refuse to believe in the word, they stumble. Indeed, this is the end to which they were appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. You have become this people so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness into his amazing light. Once you weren't a people, but now you are God's people. 
Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, since you are immigrants and strangers in the world, I urge that you avoid worldly desires that wage war against your lives. Live honorably among the unbelievers. Today they defame you as if you were doing evil, but in the day when God visits to judge, they will glorify him because they have observed your honorable deeds. Good afternoon. Please pray with me. Open our ears, O Lord, to hear your word and to know your voice. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our wills that we may serve you today, now, and always. Amen. In my reflection today marking Mennonite Heritage Sunday, I'm going to share some thoughts related to my experience working and fellowshipping with Anabaptists who very overtly conserve our common spiritual heritage. Plain folks. This experience has been marked by a convergence between my professional life as an educator and my spiritual life as a Christian walking the Anabaptist path. Several years ago now, I began to be called on by both outsiders and plain people to serve as a language interpreter, then more broadly as a cultural mediator in many kinds of situations, especially those that involve the legal system and now especially healthcare. I'm passionate about public outreach as a complement to my work as an educator. This blending of my professional and spiritual lives gives me a profound sense of inner balance and peace. The Mark Loudon who's working with the students on the UW campus is the same Mark Loudon who's talking to an Amish couple on the phone, helping them to navigate the care for their child in the course of treatment. This integrity or wholeness that I feel in my life is at the heart of how old orders, I think, live out their faith. Amos and Ruth, the parents and grandparents, are the same Amos and Ruth in every sphere of their daily lives or work and service to their neighbors, Amish and non-Amish. Plain society is, what, is an example of what sociologists call a high-context culture. High-context communities are tight-knit ones united by shared values and a close familiarity across individuals and families born of lots and lots of daily personal interactions. This tightness has the practical effect that many things in high-context societies go unspoken about. There's not a lot of explaining or talking about what one is thinking or, or what one is doing because so much is understood. In Pennsylvania Dutch, there's no word for please. It's not necessary, but you do often hear bengi, thank you. The very real benefit from living in a plain community and one that I experience as an outsider insider is that people feel known, appreciated, and loved. It's like one big, usually happy family. You don't need to feel uncomfortable or embarrassed about showing up for a meal or asking for help. The relative lack of private space in old order communities and families is something that's kind of unfamiliar to a lot of outsiders, but especially as folks get older, the knowledge that your brethren, quote, have your back is profoundly comforting. This is real social security. 
A central spiritual value at the core of high context plain culture is what observers call Gelassenheit, a German word, which the Global Anabaptist Mennonite Encyclopedia describes as, quote, self-surrender, resignation to God's will, yieldedness to God's will, self-abandonment, the passive opening to God's willing, including the readiness to suffer for the sake of God, but also peaceness, peace and calmness of mind. Now this German word Gelassenheit itself is not a familiar one to plain people, but they use a verb that's actually quite familiar and used all the time, and that's sich aufgeben. It literally means giving yourself up. In practical, everyday terms, it means giving yourself up to the community of which you consciously choose to be a part, in emulation of how we should all yield to the will of God. Plain people, like we modern Mennonites, understand Jesus' entry into the world as marking a turning point in human history and calling us to usher in the kingdom of God, to do our best to follow God's call in the here and now. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As God loves us as God's children, so we should love each other as siblings. Yielding ourselves to each other is less a question of losing something, say a level of independence, autonomy, or privacy, and more of reaping the benefits of mutual respect, support, and love. Another very important geva to give related word in the plain lexicon is fa geva, to forgive. Indeed, the instinctive reaction of the Amish in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, in the wake of the Nickel Mines tragedy, which occurred 16 years ago this month, put forgiveness on the radar of popular culture, not just in the United States, but across the globe. While plain people strive to embody the kingdom of God in the here and now, their humility, which is called demut, the cardinal virtue that they strive to live by, reminds them that they and we as humans are imperfect and we will falter. From the plain perspective, when we are wronged, we can react in one of two ways. We can either give back what we got, or we can forgive, which has the literal meaning in German and Pennsylvania Dutch of giving away, getting rid of something, which in this case, is the right to seek revenge. That's what you're tossing away. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. The Amish understanding of forgiveness would itself provide the substance for many sermons. From my experience, it's healthy. It does not mean allowing others to walk over us again and again. It does not glorify martyrdom or suffering. It does not mean excusing or condoning certain things, and it does not even mean forgetting, right? So forgive and forget don't necessarily go together. What it does mean to forgive is following what Jesus called us to do. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Two go together. This has the practical effect of not stewing in an unhappy past but looking forward. 
For the Amish and the Nickel Mines community, that meant forgiving the shooter and embracing his family as tightly as they were embracing each other. I've seen the ability of plain people to look forward in the wake of sadness or tragedy in countless situations, most recently in my medical outreach work. One specific area I've been active in has to do with the advocacy for an Amish-developed method for treating burns and severe wounds, known as B&W. This method involves the use of a honey-based salve applied to scalded burdock leaves, which are then often used to dress wounds. When I've shared B&W stories with outsiders, they often dwell on the circumstances that led to the injury, especially when children are involved. Why did mom let her child get too close to the trash fire? Why did dad put the pot of boiling tomatoes on the floor where a child could reach it? The Amish, in a spirit of Sihufgeva, don't fixate on the things that have happened and can't be reversed. And they don't play the what if or if only game. Rather, it's more about, okay, what do we do now? Now, I'll admit, I, I, I feel a close spiritual bond to the old orders. This is not a sentiment that a lot of outsiders, including not a few other modern Mennonites, often share. When the question of their Christian faith comes up, observers often think of the old orders in negative terms. They may see them as ignorant, legalistic, even maybe just a little bit cult-like. And when outsiders learn that a core doctrine that the Amish and similar groups profess is, quote, separation from the world, the overall picture of their spiritual health may not necessarily improve. So what does separation from the world really mean and how do the old orders understand it? Even though the outward differences between groups like the Amish and groups like us, modern Mennonites, are, are considerable, we share more in common here than we might recognize. An expression used by and applied to the Amish and in fact quoted in a positive way by many other Christians is that we as people of faith are in the world, but not of the world. There are many negative references to the world in the New Testament, including the first John chapter two verses that uh, Chris read. Traditional Anabaptists look to this and other passages of scripture as inspiration for the need to keep the world at arm's length, including Romans 12, especially verse two, and first Peter two, chapter two, verses one through 12. The world in this sense is worldliness better way of putting it, I think. And it's expressed in various isms like individualism and materialism. I think we can all agree that the experience of Jesus and his followers and the early Anabaptists and our own today point to the fact that much of what is at the core of the world around us is really kind of at odds with the ideals that we as Jesus followers profess. The plain people as a very visible minority in every society they have lived in for the past 300 plus years are deeply aware of this out of syncness between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world and have made the conscious decision to, to maintain a measure of distance between themselves and outsiders. To outsiders, including many professing, professing Christians, this may smack of clannishness maybe even self-righteousness. While the Amish look to them, themselves look to the radical Jesus as their model, 
a person whose teachings and actions were very much at odds with the social mainstream in which he was embedded. Critics of the Amish fault them for supposedly not living out the resurrected Jesus' Great Commission. So how do the Amish square the Great Commission with their separation, if not from the world, at least from worldliness? in a way that I would argue is not all that different from our modern Mennonite way of thinking. When asked whether they would consider themselves evangelical, Amish and many traditional Anabaptists would say yes and no. On the positive side, they would agree wholeheartedly with the classic Protestant understanding of salvation by grace through faith and the authority of the Bible as the word of God. On the other hand, some plain folks question what the experience of being born again means and the effectiveness of active evangelizing. This thinking may not be all that different from what modern Mennonites believe. Some years ago, I remember a conversation I had about mission work with the husband of an older Mennonite couple that I had met many er very uh, early on in my Anabaptist journey. Referring to questions he had gotten from evangelical Christian neighbors, Ivan asked, why should I go to Africa when I can't even get my neighbors to go to church? And then he shared a story that showed the power of being a silent witness to one's faith. Ivan was not a farmer, and he worked in a small furniture factory, where at the time he was the only Mennonite. Employees at the factory would bring their lunches and eat together. Before eating his, Ivan would bow his head and without a fuss, have a short, silent prayer. Over time, other employees came to do likewise. While this practice may not have led to conversion experiences or deep discussions about faith, Ivan felt that letting his little light shine on others may have in the end been more effective than if he had shared his faith more overtly. A lot of times this image of like letting your light shine, they'll say, we'd love to let our light shine, just not in somebody else's eyes. Over many years of walking the Anabaptist path and becoming familiar with Amish and Mennonites across a broad spectrum of churches, I sense that this comfort level with being more silent witnesses to our faith, as is the practice of the old orders, fits okay with modern Mennonite sensibilities. How many times in this church and maybe other churches have we heard and embraced the expression that's often attributed to Francis of Assisi? Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And how often have we been inspired by the notion that Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down one, or that we as Jesus' followers are a counter-cultural people? Yes, the Amish live in distinctive communities, but they are not cut off from the world in which they are embedded. As one Amish person put it some years ago, if we were to disappear from the world tomorrow, no one would miss us. But if the world were to go away, we would go along with them. So intertwined are the plain people economically and socially with the rest of society. But they have successfully charted a middle course between the extremes of isolation from the world and complete assimilation into it. More importantly, they have created a space for themselves in which they can more easily bring down that kingdom of God than if they were completely assimilated with the social mainstream.
Now, even if our middle path as modern Mennonites is not marked by as outwardly unique a lifestyle, in terms of dress and grooming and technology, as that of our old order sisters and brothers, I think it's fair to say we aim to do likewise. We too are in the world, but not really of it. Amen. Thank you, Mark. We'll begin our uh, time of response uh, by singing uh, Voices Together 598, More Than You Know. Thank you so much, Connie, for writing this hymn. And we'll sing through this three times. Mm. More than you know, more than you know, God's love is with you. More than you know, more than you know, God cares for you. Thing that's not in our bulletin, um, but I want to insert it here is to pass the peace. And so um, you're welcome to sit and whatever you want to do or stand, whatever, but give welcome to folks. Um, you can see got some folks online as well, so you can pass the peace to them as well. So just take a moment to pass the peace of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of today. Thank you for the opportunity for us to gather as church this afternoon. 
God, thank you for having your spirit be with us. You've heard the things that we've mentioned here today. We thank you, God, for those who've gone before us in the faith. Help us, God, to be open to learn from them. And we thank you, God, for those people in our midst who are living the faith. Help us, God, to have the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the courage to join in. We ask your blessing upon our week. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. It's wonderful to see all of you. Thank you for being here. For our closing, I invite you to stand. Voices together, 832. The Lord lift you up. We'll sing through this twice, or as it's written. The Lord lift you up, the Lord take your hand, the Lord lead you forth and cause you to stand, secure in God's word, seeking God's face, abounding in love, abiding in grace, the Lord lift you The Lord lead you forth and cause you to stand secure in God's word, seeking God's face, abounding in love, abiding in grace. Go in peace.